Brent Jones, Sportsnet 59 fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, and welcome to Leafs Crisis Week, Brent. Oh, early. Eh, maybe late. I don't know. No. We always get here, so it was inevitable. Happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's right on time, really, if you're going back to a season ago. At least the exact same record through 11 games hmm. as they did a season ago. Exact same. Like, a little different because they were 4-4-2 four, four, and two and then won their next game. They won uh, the next three. November was was just a cruise for them. They lost once in regulation last November, so that's off the table. Yeah, We're already into November here. But, yeah, the, the exact same record to this point in the season Austin Matthews wasn't off to nearly as good a start. He's got 11 goals on pace for 82 goals this mm. season. I got to, sorry, got to take the under. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, three hat tricks already this season. Um, the, the shooting percentage, not like out, it, it is on pace to be his highest of his career, but not like outrageously. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's he's got like a 50% shooting no. percentage. It's like over 20%. Anyways, that's the good. Yes. Austin Very Matthews. Good. A very good. In fact, the core four, pretty good. Honestly. Everybody else. <sighs> hey, sorry. You know what? Morgan Riley put you aside as well. Yeah, Morgan Riley. He's, he's like core, core five. Four. I know, but it doesn't sound as good. So we all know. Most yeah, yeah, part yeah. of it, okay? Core it, four, most part of it. Morgan Riley, quite good. Everybody else, even the goaltenders recently, yeah. not so good. It is, it is ugly, ugly stuff. A team... Uh, that had no pushback after one of their top four defensemen is out for a prolonged period of time. LTIR going to miss the, the Sweden games. I know you hate them, but Timothy Lilligren was all excited Tough to, for to, him. I to will go say. see his, his family. You know, a bunch of tickets set up for him. Uh, people going to watch him play hockey in his native land. I feel like he still go. I suppose, but it's not going to be the same. No. More time to hang out, though, if you can't be expected to practice. I, I Try to find a silver lining for the young man here. Good for you. Try and find a silver lining to this. Um, Maple Leafs had no pushback after he was <sighs> dumped for months and months by Brad Marchand in that game. Yep. They talked about how embarrassing that was. That The head coach said he hated it. Yep. They faced a Sabres team. That was playing the third time in, in four days, mm -hmm. including the back end of back-to-backs. And not only do they get waxed on the score sheet, they get waxed in the fancies. Like, there's nothing positive to take away from that game on Hockey Night in Canada. No, the Sabres didn't even have the guy with the best nickname in all of hockey, the workhorse from Whitehorse. He was, Cousins not even in the lineup. He got banged up in the first half of the back-to-back -back that the Sabres were, were playing there. I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most. You can you can lose a hockey game. It's fine. I've I've watched this team lose many of them, and I'll watch them lose many more. But for all of the talk in the pregame, and Sheldon Keefe talking about how he hated it, and Ryan Reeves had his comments, Tyler Bertuzzi had some, quite honestly, very opposite comments of not wanting to defend himself in, in the media. For that, for you to come out that way against a team who also, let's not forget this part of it, that you're supposed to be putting your foot on their throat is you're the big brother in the division. It's not the way it's going this year by any means, but that's how it's supposed to go. And for it to come out and look that way, I mean, it's, it's abhorrent, quite honestly. I mean, there's so many things you can pull from this game. This one just, this one tells me kind of everything I needed to know. Here's the amount of time between when the Leafs scored and the Sabres answered. First goal, four minutes and eight seconds. Oh, not bad, honestly. Second goal, very fitting since it was Matthews and then Skinner who scored. 34 seconds. Third goal, 254. Fourth goal, 
522. Okay, that one's a little different there. But the fact that you were just never able to build momentum off of the good things you did do in that game to come out and have a it wasn't the Kings game that it was completely flat and lifeless but you did not look shot out of a cannon there was not a big response you didn't want to show everybody that you learned your lesson or felt sorry about the way things went or anything along those lines did Bertuzzi look a touch more engaged I suppose but not in the way I would want I would have expected him to rip someone's head off in that game quite frankly the given the tenor of the talk around him in this market right now so I, I just I don't know how you can look at that game and be anything other than disappointed with the caveat of removing the guys we talked about the core four Matthews Marner basically yeah the core four is doing it all truly from an offensive end there has not been a goal scored by a forward outside the core four in six games remember the Matthew Nyes two goal mm-hmm. game against the Tampa Bay Lightning well maybe that's a good sign that they're playing the Lightning again tonight because that was that was the last goal scored by a forward outside of the core four at five on five. Okay, so Tyler Bertuzzi has some power play goals mm-hmm. in there. But yeah, it, it there has been nothing, there's nothing going on outside of the core four. And we can talk about the the new lines that we'll, we'll see tonight. And Max Domi, I mean, they're pulling some emergency levers mm-hmm. here. Max Domi up the middle on a third line that is, uh, you know, he's going to be flanked by Pontus Holmberg and Callie Yarncroke. So, like, it, it's one thing to look... To, to, to improve the, 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 the offensive potential for Max Domi. But you got a couple of guys. I mean, Yarn Krug's a 20-goal scorer, but yeah. we understand, like, a lot of that was spent flank, flanking, you know, one of the best goal scorers in the history of the National Hockey yeah. League. And Pontus Holmberg is uh, Mr. Punt. Yeah, Yarncroc is, he is a, he's just your kind of classic middle six NHL forward. Go look at his numbers. Like, yeah, he had 20 last year. He had 16 when he was with the Flames. You are going to have long stretches of the season where you go, what does this guy do? Like, he gives you an honest shift, but does it, and then he'll score four goals yeah. in a three-week span or a two-week span, and all of a sudden he's back on track for his kind of 16-20 there. I expect Pontus Holmberg to be centering that line by... Oh, the first shift of the second period. I think that's kind of how that will go. This seems like a challenge to Max Domi, but Sheldon, and this is the one quibble with Sheldon Keefe's line juggling that I do have an issue with is he tends to lay out a challenge to a player like this. And obviously the biggest version of it uh, heading into this year was the William Nylander at center in camp thing. And then the second that player does not immediately rise to the challenge from the jump. All right, this isn't working. What are we doing? So I, I, Fully expect Pontus Holmberg to be centering that line by the end of the game. It's kind of the way things have gone. If unless Domi is just clicking and it's you know two assists all over the place again tonight, I understand the idea of changing it up. You have to find a way to get these guys to click. But you know this is the way I laid it out when I was thinking about all the new additions. And thirteen point nine million dollars is what you get if you add up Reeves, Klingberg, Domi, and, and Bertuzzi. There, even if. You give all the credit for the Leafs' power play looking the way it does to John Klingberg. And I don't think anybody's giving all the credit to him. Maybe they want to give him a bit, but not all of it. Let's say you give all the credit to him. There still isn't a guy on this team who's been worth what they got paid in, in free agency. Max Domi is riding. He, the, the, the Max Domi game of two assists, yeah. that's half the points he has this season. Yeah. He has four points in 11 games. Now, he's not supposed to be a point-per-game guy. He's supposed to be producing at a better clip than that. And again, it is two points in 10 games when you take away that one. Matthew Nyes, you know, Keith talked about this as well, guy who just hasn't found his stride. But when you when you keep it to the new additions, just no one clicking, no one finding a spot. And honestly, like, 
Domi I'm a little less worried about because maybe it's the the cap hit is just lower. Maybe he's hid lower in the lineup. But I, I keep going back to Bertuzzi, and I, I am worried that this thing is going to spiral. I can't believe I'm about to say it, but like Clarkson-esque. I'm honestly worried about that because that comment to me of, of I'm not going to explain myself when he got asked about laughing at Brad Marchand. I understand that that's three days removed from an incident. Maybe, and anybody who looks at him doesn't think he's laughing because what Brad Marchand said is funny, mm-hmm. but it's a bad look to not be engaged, to not be blood curdling mad. And I honestly think, I can't believe I'm about to say this. He needs the Sweden trip more than anyone. I'm willing for the Leafs to go to Sweden just for him. It is the last chance at a reset, get away the noise, all of that. Do I think it'll work? No. Cause I think the player's not clicking with this team and that game, I if he would have come out, shot out of a cannon, ripping people's heads off, screaming in scrums, being the nasty, bite-filled guy we expected him to be, then I would have thought, okay, maybe that was a bit of a wake-up call. But it wasn't. He wasn't bad in the game, but he didn't give you all the other stuff he's supposed to either. Sometimes you step into this room, you turn on the microphone, mm. and you have a little take that you you believe in, but you wonder how much of it is, you know, you're taking the extreme position sure. that that maybe the reality is is certainly a little more tempered. Sure. What we heard from Sheldon Keefe and, and from just about everybody yep. in response to the lack of response against the Boston Bruins, I mean, leads me to believe that it's even worse than I anticipated, mm-hmm. right? Like, so in the moment I was, uh, hey, what well, did I find it curious that a guy like Brad Marchand goes into the corner with Timothy Lilligren, Timothy Lilligren mm-hmm. goes down and can't get up and that there's no response. Yeah, I, I found it a bit curious, but could I put my my mind in a position of, hey, it's a quick play and only on the replay did we really see how dirty the play was. In the moment, it just looked like a couple of guys chasing for a puck. Mm-hmm. I get it. How many times have you seen it around the National Hockey League? Nobody has any idea of what happened. No. But they know be one, mad. Of, one of their significant pieces mad. went down with a significant injury. And again, like the guy he went into the corner with is Brad freaking Marchand. He, he does not get the benefit of the doubt. Can I, can I add one more thing to this? You know, if, and what, you know what, we're already here. Let's just make it all about Tyler Bertuzzi. If Tyler Bertuzzi made a nice play, on the shift before, uh-huh. and he wanted to see how it unfolded because he wasn't quite sure. He had some questions about it. Let me tell you what he'd be doing in a millisecond. And maybe he's not an iPad guy, so maybe this isn't fair. But generally speaking, I made a nice play. I didn't like what happened on that shift. I want to see. Give me the iPad. Give me the mm. iPad. I'm an iPad kid. I need it. I need it. Did Why didn't one person go look at the iPad and go, yeah, good enough for me. I'm going to get mad about that. It is that was the part of it that is so infuriating to me is that if it's a good thing that happened or you want to see why the offense isn't clicking right away to the iPad, you apparently I didn't see it. Okay, here, here's a video of it. Mm -hmm. Go watch it. You see that guy? He looks like a rat. He's screaming at your bench. He just injured one of your most promising defensemen, which is, you know, low bar to clear, but we'll leave that for right now. Mm -hmm. That infuriated me. And Maybe it's unfair to ask him to just pick a guy at Buffalo to be mad on for that. But that's kind of what I wanted to see. In that game, these teams have been chippy against each other. And to not come out with just a snarl, bite-filled game is really disappointing. And I think it kind of puts to rest the myth, and we've done this a million times, of ah, this year's going to be different. These heavies mm-hmm. are going to be different. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Ryan Reeves' fault that no one in the—I don't think it's his fault that no one stood up and said anything— but I think it's kind of proof that 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 job can only that guy can only motivate certain kinds of people, and that's not his fault. You can it's what's the old saying like you cannot paint 
stripes on a cat and call it a tiger. doesn't work that way. There were two areas of need that the new players were acquired to address. One was more depth scoring, right? Like, yep. that, that hasn't worked. Pretty clearly, that has yet to to to, to prove uh, or to um, provide dividends for this team. Mm-hmm. The, the, the depth score ha- hasn't happened. But it was like twofold, right? Not in the case of John Klingberg. It was only offense yes. from Klingberg. Anybody... Nobody could have reasonably expected John Klingberg to provide much more no. than being an offensive defenseman. You hoped that he'd be able to to, to play in his own reasonably well. Uh, that hasn't necessarily worked out. But yeah, as you said, the power play has been pretty good. And he's been quarterbacking the top power play unit. So Sometimes. hard to argue with that. So the depth scoring hasn't been there. But like both Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi were acquired for twofold reasons. Yes. One was the scoring. The other part was... The soul, the hockey soul that yes. they had trying to ignite something within this team that has been sorely missing for now more than a half decade. That part is is the thing that y- you thought was a given because the scoring it comes and goes and both Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi have had up years. They've had mm-hmm. down years. They're not consistent scorers. I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi has a 30 goals season. He has a 20 goal season mm-hmm. and single digit goals a season ago. Yep. Max Domi had 50 points a season ago. And and 20 goals, he's been up and down. He's mm-hmm. been fewer than that. He's he's had great postseason runs like he had with the Dallas Stars last. The one consistent thing you thought you were getting from those players was something that was missing from the core four players on this team was some pushback, some physicality to their game. And it, it's it's hard to, to 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 move off of the Bruins game in that one incident because it's as much as and we're going to talk to about Scotty Barnes yep. in the second half of this hour, as much as that is like proof of concept with Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. and this early in the season, it's like, all right, we know that guy's the number one guy. Yep. It's like that incident is so glaring that it's hard to get past it and and uh, and and have the belief that the guys that qu- that were acquired to do a thing are capable of doing the thing when they had the gl- the greatest opportunity they're probably going to get throughout the course of the season to show that pushback, and they didn't do it. It's infuriating that they didn't do it. And you mentioned it. These guys are different than the Clifford, Simmons, Ryan Reeves that have been brought in. They are supposed to be, what do we always talk about when the Leafs have brought in heavies in the past? You can't just have one or two nuclear deterrents down there. You need it up and down throughout your lineup. That's what they're supposed to be. They are supposed to be those middle six guys with the jam, with the bite. And I will give Domi a little more credit in that regard than than Bertuzzi. He has had a few moments where it just, you know, like, okay, this is corny. Feel free to roll your eyes at me. But where you do see, like, okay, the passion that unites us all is very much inside that guy. The end of the Kings game. Yes, exactly. Right? It's stupid, I guess. And, yeah, the game was out of hand, and he ends up in the penalty box. But the, the reason he's doing it, in that moment is because the game's out of hand. And at least he's showing yes. that he cares and in that, a game that's lost. And that is the thing that just infuriates me to to no end. I do not understand that. And again, like obviously Domi super gets it. He was born in it, bred in it. But Bertuzzi's from around here too, man. Mm-hmm. His uncle is taught. He knows what it means if you are a aggressive, mean-spirited hockey player in a Canadian market. And... I don't want him to overstate that. He doesn't need to become Augie Ogle or Augie Oglethorpe from Slapshot there. Like, that's not what he needs to do. But to be so 
and again, I'll just say the comment here because I've referenced it about five times now. So when he got asked about laughing on the bench at the Marshawn trip or whatever you want to call it on Lilligren, people can perceive that however they want. I'm not going to explain myself. Okay. That like, I hate that answer to be perfectly honest, but you're entitled to that. Maybe if you want people to perceive it differently, look a little angry, look a little mad, go find someone to start a scrum with, engage your team in that way. And it just doesn't seem like it's there. And I really do worry about a guy who there's always one on this Leafs team. And I look, I know I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I, you could argue I'm leading the mob right now. And it's usually a defenseman, but I really worry that he's going to become the poster child for all of these misses this year. And they've all been misses. They yeah, all have. They all have been. And it's, hey, if if Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi both had five goals at this point in the season, you, you know what? You could, you could make the counter care. argument. Would not care. No, no, I mean about all this other stuff. It'd say, I don't like it, mm-hmm. but it's fine. You're still you're still checking mm-hmm. one of the boxes. Yeah, I, and I yeah, you can make the argument that they are buying into what was the Leafs' modus operandi mm-hmm. the last half decade, that, hey, we're going to get you back, not physically, not punch you in the face, but on the power play, right? Like toughness, right now, score. Toughness is our power play. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, ah, that's, well. That's up there with respect to the handshake line, <laughs> by the way. That's not happening either. Nope. The, those guys are not providing offense. There is no depth of scoring. Austin Matthews is responsible for, for what, 31% of this team's uh, goals this season. They they have a negative goal differential on the season. Ryan Reeves, I'm, do you want to talk about, what, like, there's, there's a lot of issues here. Yeah. Not the least of which is turning into a fourth line that plays single-digit minutes in, in, in hockey games. Ryan yep. Reeves is barely on the ice, but every time he touches the ice, this puck's going into his own net. Mm-hmm. And it's not all his fault. Nope. And, and Sheldon Keefe talked about, you know, some some unfortunate circumstances that are happening when that fourth line is getting out there that's not necessarily the fourth line's fault. Yeah, I have one guy to blame. It was the guy who uttered that quote, Sheldon Keefe. Maybe don't. We just talked about how hard it is for this team to maintain any momentum. I gave you all of the times between yeah. goals. Maybe don't put your fourth line on the ice but, right after a goal. But then Brent, when are they going to play exactly. them? I know. Go take it up with the guy who gave you a contract <laughs> extension. I mean, there is... The the he offensive Max zone. Lajoie five minutes in right. that game. Okay, well, and then gave up a breakaway, yeah. and that was that was the end of and that. And then and then sounded dumbfounded at how tired his defense was. Man, these guys are <laughs> gassed. Yeah, he only played five of them. And again, I understand when you're cooking in the kitchen and you don't have ingredients and you just got scraps. And it's a very weird kitchen right now because he's got like filet mignon and truffle oil and like all mm-hmm. of the finest ingredients. And it's like. Spam. And you have to season it with dirt from the floor is kind of what it feels like. <laughs> Ryan Reeves should not be as impactful to these final score lines as he has seemingly been. Been on the ice for zero goals for, and what now, six goals against, five on five. His uh, So here, the, the numbers are like obscene. Mm. He's been on the ice for five and a half, more than five and a half goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. That's the fourth most among skaters in the entire National Hockey League who've played at least 80 minutes this uh-huh. season. He's on the first of a of a three-year deal that's going to pay him over a million bucks. Now, a lot of that can be theoretically buried in the AHL uh-huh. if you decide to waive him and, and try and send him down to the American League. You're, this is a guy that was just handed a three-year deal by a first-year general manager. So that's not like around the corner. That's uh-huh. like a... Uh, a February decision for this team. But this is, for, for for a team with no secondary scoring, 
that's that's a little more porous defensively. I, I you can't abide by a, a goal against every single game. Well, that fourth line playing limited minutes. It's not just that though. It goes back to the first issue we discussed. You still wouldn't live with it if he got scored on to the extent or that line got scored on to the extent it is. But if Ryan Reeves would have been not alone in yelling at Brad Marchand on the Leafs bench, but he was shoulder to shoulder with all the guys standing there screaming at him, be, saying, oh, Revo's mad. I better get in this. I don't want to let him down or whatever. However, this is supposed to work because it never does. But however, it's supposed to work. Then you could it still would be tough to live with, but you could at least understand. And I don't look at this as Ryan Reeves not doing his job to make this team tougher. He's had two fights in 11 games. I wouldn't be shocked if he fights Tanner Janot tonight, given the tenor of the conversation around this team, around this town. He is only doing what he is capable of. Like, however criticism you have of Ryan Reeves, totally here for it. But it's just a criticism of the guy who signed him to the contract. Because, again, you could live to a certain extent with that from the fourth line if it turned the rest of your team into what it was supposed to. Mm. If Tyler Bertuzzi had also had more bite and it's the, that Boston game turns into a Donnybrook and you, you actually do stand up for yourself. And instead of Sheldon Keefe saying, I hated it, he's saying, I hated the result, but I love the way we stood shoulder to shoulder. Then, then you can talk yourself into it. But that's not even happening. And again... I don't think that's Ryan Reeves' fault. I don't think he's sitting there going, ah, these guys will come with me or they won't. I, The whole point of him being here is vocal leader, trying to pull guys along. I'm sure he's trying, but when you're a guy like that, you can only pull on the rope so much. Like, what, what can he tell Austin Matthews? What can he tell Tyler Bertuzzi, for that matter? It's hard when you play seven minutes a night. We use the term punt in in mm-hmm. this sport like disparagingly yes. like yeah you're a punt line it's like you don't do anything you don't score but you know what you don't get scored against they'd, they'd kill to punt this team needs a little more punt like at least punt is something like that's a thing that you do mm-hmm. which is yeah you play defense nothing necessarily happens when you're on the ice but you just you get through some time that allows your core four who are the only mm-hmm. capable scorers on this hockey team to rest up for their next ship. You give Austin Matthews a minute, minute mm-hmm. and a half to to get his breath yeah. and back on the ice to score yet another goal in a hockey game to record yet another hat trick. Mm-hmm. Leafs don't have the the capability of, of punting on any of these lines. It is like they're 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 the little trust that they had going into the season is being eroded by the day. It just and the thing is is it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense with the exception of the fact that just none of the new pieces fit. Because, okay, Ryan Reeves, you don't like that there. But this team had Kampf and Holmberg as their three and four centers for long chunks of last season. And guess what? It was better than fine. It was great at times with Kampf and Holmberg as their three and four C. Those pieces are still there. Kali Arncroft, yes. You know, I... I keep going back to it. And again, I know I keep dragging us back to Bertuzzi, but I think that the money spent there mm-hmm. just dictates what you're able to do. Like if they would have just paid Michael Bunting, it's less money. I know it's more term and it comes up the cap picture. We can have that conversation, but then you're able to have a little extra money to move around. If you don't give John Klingberg 4-1 on the first day of free agency, if you don't give Ryan Reeves the extra year, the extra 100K or whatever it was that pushed him over, then you have some different options. And it's not just Pontus Holberg. And I don't think this is what's making or breaking the Leafs season, but it must be said as well. 
maybe if you don't give Frazier Minton his five games or whatever he got, you have Sam Lafferty poking around. And guess what? Guess what? Sam Lafferty's probably not scoring either, Mm -hmm. but at least you'd say he's fast. You would say that. And this team, I I say that in jest, but this team needs burners. It has been a slow team for a very long time. They have guys who can fly, but by and large, it's a bit of a slower plotting team. So not having a guy like Lafferty in the mix of the bottom six hurts you there too. The goaltending. Uh, To me, the the conversation surrounding the goaltending the last couple of years has been considering the elite level talent at the top end of this team. It's been, Mm -hmm. can you give us league average goaltending? Not quite punt, but not far off. (laughs) Yeah. Can you, can you not sink us? Can you not sewer us? Can you not do like the Jack Campbell Oilers thing for us? Like, can you just give us just respectable goaltending? We can do the rest. We can play pretty good team defense, even without Morgan Riley for extended periods last season. Mm -hmm. Can you just give us something that is not the worst, right? (laughs) And there was no guarantee that that was going to happen a season ago. They got it in spades, right? When Ilya Samsonov was hurt, Matt Murray was playing his limited games. When Matt Murray was hurt, which was most of the season, Ilya Samsonov was having his best season of his entire career. I don't know if that's true anymore with this team because – as it stands, they have about a league average save percentage. Mm-hmm. They have a 903 save percentage, buoyed mostly by Joseph Wall's incredible start, and nobody expected him to be a 960 save percentage guy mm-hmm. all season long. The save percentage is down to 928. He's still having a very good start to the season. Both guys have played in six games. This I don't know with the additions and their lack of defensive acumen mm-hmm. and the lack of secondary scoring, if you can get by... With just average goaltending, I think the ask from your goaltenders is much higher this season. And that is interesting in terms of what that does to your goaltending decision. Because I, even after that game, I still think I have more confidence in Joe Wall over a long body of work. I think I have more confidence in him. In terms of if you say, who would you prefer to get more starts the rest of the season? I'm leaning towards Joe Wall. But if you told me the Leafs were going to be a sieve in front of the goaltender and they were going to give up 55 shots and they needed somebody to steal them the game. I think Samsonov's more likely to do that. He Higher feels upside. like the guy who can get on an absolute heater. You're right. It's totally ceiling versus floor. And if this team is going to need the guy who can steal them games at times, it'll be curious as to what that does to the goaltending conversation. I've been kind of looking at this because you know, we've been going back and forth of, does someone have the net? Do they not? I was kind of doing like tennis analogies. Like, does somebody have serve? And I think it's match play. And I think Joe Wall was one up, and now it's back to even after that after that game. That's kind of how I've been looking at Leafs goaltending. It's like golf match play. Oh, okay. So now we're back to even after that from Joe Wall on, uh, on yeah. Saturday. I mean, it seems pretty clear that at this moment, it's a back and forth situation, and for sure, somebody plays well, they get the net again. It's a Boston Bruins situation, and maybe taking some cues from a Bruins team that has gotten great goaltending over the last couple of years, and just back and forth, and nobody yeah. making consecutive starts. And hey, the Bruins finally lost in regulation to a Red Wings team that seems like more mm-hmm. legit than ever. By the way, yeah, yeah. It feels like a million years ago, but we were having discussions as to who was more legit in the Atlantic Division, the Senators or the Red Wings. And I I think it's pretty clear to to get close to writing off the Senators at the moment. But, yeah, the Red Wings seem more legit. But this Bruins goaltending tandem, the the strategy has has worked out back and forth. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to talk about the mentality of both guys in Boston having— They're paid. 
having the bag to a various degree, certainly yeah. more than... The, ho- the hockey bag. It's like a plastic one. It's not yeah. the Louis bag you're getting in the NBA. <laughs> well, certainly more than a pending unrestricted free agent in Ilya Samsonov mm-hmm. and a guy in Joseph Wall who's making less than 800K over the next couple of years. I get that, but if you're just taking no, the totally. human emotion out of it... That is a sound strategy. It is. Uh, the problem is, is that I don't know that there's a position in sport where the human emotion element matters more than goaltender. We have already, we have one guy who did not care about hockey and chose to backpack through the Swiss Alps all summer. And we had another guy who has already openly talked about his mental struggles. So I'd say the human element matters just a touch there. But you're right. If you can, if you can find a way to thread that needle, to walk that line, do that dance, whatever you want to call it, it is ripe for a good position for this team to be in, but it goes back to Sheldon Keefe. And I don't think Keefe is a bad coach by any means, but this is a very, it's just all going to be right out there in front of them. There's no hiding behind this decision. And I think the other part of it as well is that, you know, coaches feel one way about the decisions they make with their teams, right? They, you know, Sheldon Keefe is pretty, he, he has a good handle on why he wants to put this player with this player, use this line in this situation. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a good handle on his goaltending, but he kind of thinks about goaltending the same way we all do. Of uh, who's gonna, who's gonna make a stop? Curtis Sanford, tell him to start. Like that. That's the part of it. Is that as much as he's in there and he's in the mix, and of course Sheldon Keefe is more plugged in on goaltending than you or I. At the end of the day, it's still a goalie, and there is just a element of it where when you're not one of those guys, there's going to be a wishy-washy nature to your performance, and it's going to be such a important job for Sheldon Keefe this year to find the right balance, to find the right hot hand. There are some Canadian markets that are in more of a panic, I would say. You <laughs> I think? mean, <laughs> we'll talk to Frank Saravelli after eight o'clock, but they're like, there's now like, there's tangible reporting and, and I guess speculation from some Edmonton columnists about yeah. like the, <laughs> the job security of Jay Woodcroft. Like that is happening. Mm. And I get it. We did that a little bit with never. Sheldon Keefe. We would never. Not to the degree at which it's happening now in Edmonton. So it's it's it could be worse, is what I'm saying. It's not that bad, but I, I will say there are some underlying reasons why it feels a lot worse than a season ago. We'll get to that yeah. a little bit more after seven o'clock. But it it is despite the record being exactly the same, and you can mm-hmm. if you want to make a you can make an argument with lots of numbers to back it up. The yeah. Leafs were in the exact same spot through eleven games a season ago. Five four and two, and then went on this incredible run in November, never looked back and had the, what, 111 points, blah, 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 blah. And then made the postseason, then won a first-round series. Yeah, this is a different team. This is, for many different reasons, mm-hmm. and there's a, a much different discussion around this team's ability to rattle off what they were able to rattle off in November as, of a season ago. Yeah, the uh- They've already got all their Austin Matthews goals, and he's not going to stop scoring. But like Brent, Austin Matthews had four goals at this point. That's what I'm getting at is that that incredible run was spurned by him being incredible. And I don't like this. I mean, he's going to slow down. He's not going to score 82 goals this year. But good, though. Buddy, I would love that. Let me tell you, I'd be so happy about that. Not going to happen. But that was a big part of what spurned this team on. Nylander has had his. Normally, we get the Nylander uh, kind of January surge. Not to say it won't happen. Not to say he's going to fall off a cliff, but you're getting the best version of it. I think that's the most concerning thing is you need these guys who have proven stuff in this league but haven't proven a thing here to find a way. And as things can spiral, it's it's just 
it can the noise can get really really loud in this market especially if it, you're not coming the way you you want and just to put a kind of point on you mentioned the Woodcroft and the in terms of the hot seat he's on I have talked to members of the Leafs beat who have said that they obviously they didn't publish it but I'm trying to remember if it was a Chicago yeah it was a Chicago yes. game that there were stories not filed but more or less sketched out of Leafs change head coach because that's how real the perception of that was so it's uh it's gotten hot here before but yeah good luck uh woodcroft and edmonton yeah best of luck to you uh that was yeah the, the chicago game in overtime david camp from william nylander his boys saving him <laughs> saving his season <laughs> anywho uh yeah we'll swing back around to the leafs obviously it's gonna be a very leafs heavy show uh today but man raptors like i said in that loss to the sixers I wasn't that discouraged because there were signs of offensive life. Didn't look like there were going to be many yesterday when they scored Mm -hmm. 35 points in the first half against Wemby and the Spurs. But Scotty Barnes is putting the league on notice with his performance this season. We'll talk about that incredible victory for the Raptors next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben and Frank Gunning. Boy, I I wondered how relevant the Raptors would be this season, considering my modest expectations for them. Mm -hmm. Their 41 wins a season ago, how unwatchable they were, especially offensively for for 82 games and then one play-in tournament game. Mm -hmm. They lost to a pretty middling Chicago Bulls team, who, by the way, is 0-1 in the in-season tournament. Uh, Raptors and Bulls. (laughs) They're in the same bracket when it comes to the in-season well, tournament. Well, thanks for updating. Everyone was dying to know. There's a little tab on the standings. You can look at the in-season tournament standings, and the Raptors are in Group C with Brooklyn, Boston, Orlando, and they, Chicago. They should have made it more complicated. The NBA just renamed all the awards. They should have been like, this is the Olajuwon bracket, mm-hmm. just to make it even harder to follow along instead of just C. letters. Yeah, Group C. Why not numbers? On the nose. Why not I mean, numbers? That's, that's coming next season. Okay. Anyways, uh, I digress. Raptors, yeah, I, I mean, there were some interesting points to this season and, and wondering, hey, what kind of an impact can a head coach make in Darko Ryakovich and banking on the vibes and mm-hmm. no Fred Van Vliet and can they hit on a free agent like they've been unable to do in, in many years and Dennis Schroeder. And, but ultimately it was, okay, we're playing out the string until the trade deadline when things get really, really interesting. Well, I I, I maybe anticipated a step forward for mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes, but not what we, we've seen here through now a half dozen games this season. He is, I mean, taking the leap. You can see it. And everybody else on that team can see it, I think, is is the crucial point in this. Now, Pascal Siakam also hasn't played very well. He was 2-12 yesterday. He had a moment. Uh, he was like one on one with a guy on a fast break, and he just he was dribbling, and he just fell down, and the ball went into the corner. It looked like he it looked actively like he got monstered in that exact <laughs> in that exact moment. Like if he takes another fall this year, that is what I'm concerned about. Like it was 
so dire that moment. It genuinely looked like his talent got sucked out of his body. It's been a weird start, and I, I don't know how you cannot look at the fit between those two of how one guy ascending and the other guy kind of middling. Yeah, they both had a great game against the Bucs, so it's like it's possible for both of them to have a great game at the same time. But across the board, Pascal Siakam is having his worst statistical season since 1819, that was the first time he was a, like a, a starter for the whole season. Mm-hmm. He started 79 games that that season. That was coming off uh, his sophomore year. Where he only started five games. Mm-hmm. So he's having a worse season than he's ever had since he's been an established starter in the NBA, and he's headed towards his free agency. But a game like yesterday is super important because going into the season, you would have said, yeah, Scotty Barnes, like the future of this team does hinge on his development, but – at the current moment, he's not the Raptors' best player. It is a guy that we're having legitimate conversations about extending to a max contract, and that being Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And, and him being an all-NBA player and and hitting the super max, while it's maybe not likely, it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's over. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty Barnes is this team's best player, and there's now no debate. I get it. It's early on in the season, and, I, and, and, and we've been fooled by by fast starts before. Not like this, though. Not for a guy who is a rookie of the year, fourth overall selection, has been given the license to be this team's best player. Mm -hmm. The start that we've seen has solidified in my mind that the future of this Raptors team is bright, and it's bright because of one guy, and it's Scotty Barnes. Yeah, how can you how can you not look at it? Again, he's a rookie of the year. He's a fourth overall pick. We all got mad that it wasn't Jalen Suggs. Like, it, it is clearly the, the guy who they needed to be the best player for this thing to work at all. I also wonder, you know, again, like, we read into these things too much, but I don't think we read into this one too much. He had the comments about Nick Nurse of, mm, didn't look over there, didn't see him. I didn't talk to him on game day. I think he's pretty happy with the new head coach in terms of just a new lease on life, being thought of in a different way, thinking of the game a different way. I'm sure it's pretty illuminating to Scotty Barnes. Not to say that he hasn't been coached up in his basketball life up to this point. He's an NBA player. He played played a big call, or he, you know, he played at Florida State. He played at a, a IMG Academy where he had tons of great coaches, but in the professional realm, I'm sure it's eye-opening to have a different guy who is a different communicator, who has a different style of, of play, and this is also just what happens. You know, you see it with players across the league of there's just a leap where they go from a nice player who can have nice games to guys who take over. The other thing that I think is so important to mention with Barnes, and if he's going to be your best player, he is, and he needs to be going forward, is that he's locked in and doing it on both ends of the court. The only reason he's not this team's best defensive player is because OG Ananobi exists. If he didn't, Scotty Barnes would be talked about in that light as well. They were putting him on Wemby at points. They've thrown him on Giannis. He's guarded Embiid. He can guard smaller guys as well. He is the one thing that allows you to believe in this, but it's also the thing that makes it so important that Messiah and Bobby Webster thread the needle right with the, I think, inevitable Pascal Siakam trade. Yeah, I, I still think that's the most likely course of action. But what I will say is that I have a very different feeling about the future of this Raptor team, right? Like, I, I was uncertain about the direction. They had not picked one. They went into this season with a couple of pending free agents, and those guys are still pending free agents, and yep. Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, and to a lesser extent, Gary Trent Jr., who's decided to have his worst season as well, which Bad is time. not ideal. So it's not ideal for him. Uh not necessarily good. And we can have a discussion about how Pascal Siakam's trade value is is plummeting over the days and how you do two things at once and and continue to look towards the future and give the ball to the future star of this team and Scotty Barnes, but also make sure that 
Pascal Siakam is an asset that mm-hmm. people are interested in giving something up to go acquire. But I, I was, I think, like most people, curious about where this team was headed. What 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 is the plan here? Because this is a forty-one win team that you just lost your all-star point guard from, and you gave up your first-round pick to acquire a nice piece in a center in, in Jakob mm-hmm. Pertl, but not somebody that's obviously a massive difference maker for a team that's just open and, and praying to get into the postseason in the Eastern Conference. None of that matters anymore. Honestly, none of it matters anymore because you have top 15, top 10 player in the NBA in Scotty Barnes, who is showing it for the first time. Like, he was mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year and... Yeah, you wondered if this was possible, but last year, did, I, I think it's maybe a little overstated how how much of a step back he had. He just didn't have the step forward that you would have mm-hmm. hoped from a guy that was rookie of the year and surprisingly so being selected fourth overall. Now it's happening. Now you have the next one. And now it's about getting everybody on his timeline. There is no, like, there's no, not that there ever was going to be considering they they don't control their own first-round pick next season, but there's no teardown coming, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, like, wipe the slate clean. There is only how do we get the pieces, how do we get this team in a position to maximize this guy's timeline because it's happening now. And that is where they need to get back to the Raptors of old, the drafting and development, because you look at it. Look at the pieces who are on this team. I'm sure in a perfect world they would love to, especially if Scotty Barnes is going to prove he's this guy and ready to win They would love to re-sign OG Ananobi. That is a player who has tons of value on a winning team. He can give you great offense without needing to be a focal point of it. And if you need him to step up more in that regard, he can. I think they'd love to have him back. Pascal, we just talked about that. We don't need to to double down on it. Schroeder's here for one more year, but he is not some long-term piece of the core, I don't think. The biggest reason for that is you're not going to have bird rights on him. It's just a two-year deal. You're not going to be able to go over the cap to sign him. So it could be hard to to maintain or to hold on to him when when that deal is done. And then it's Grady Dick of the guys that are that are still here that you think are kind of of that core. That's the thing when you look around is that, okay, if it is the Scotty Barnes show and it's on his timeline, okay, so it's Pirtle, it's OG, it's Grady Dick of the guys that are on this roster that you think can kind of go on a run with him here. Yeah. So it just shows there's a lot of work to do, which again, hammers home the point of when the Pascal Siakam trade comes, you got to nail it. Well, you have to, but it, you got to nail it with not necessarily draft picks. Like you got to nail it with ready to play in a rotation players, which it, is, so, which is so tough because if they're ready to play a championship, like you need the, you need the perfect desperate contender. Well, and we'll see where the Raptors record is at the deadline, but honestly a trade like they consummated with Jakob Pertl at the deadline a season ago, mm-hmm. way, makes way more sense okay. this I, season than it did a year ago mm-hmm. where Scotty Barnes was having a, okay, we're still unsure about him and Pascal Siakam's having a goodish season, but yep. like he's the best player on a 500 team. Where is this team going? Now we know where this team is going. Mm-hmm. That type of trade actually makes way more sense this season than it did a year ago. So can I just say, I still don't think it made sense at the time to give up a pick in a year where you were uncertain as to what you were going to be, to make yourself better in a year when you should have been tanking. I still don't think it made any sense. But God, it is good to have Jakob Bertel back mm-hmm. in a Raptors uniform. He is just so serviceable. 
he is again it's he is somebody who never needs to be a focal point of anything but if you go to him he can be helpful there he just always gives you solid minutes it's a big body it's just a center the raps have lacked for i mean it okay so long i know they won a title in 2019 but it feels like a thousand years since they've had that just yeah, mark Gasol, big body down there jv whatever it is so i i don't i will not walk back my commentary at the time from the Jakob Pertle trade but i am thoroughly enjoying him in a raptors uniform no, I, I'm with you as far as the way I felt about it in the moment, understanding that, yeah, you don't acquire these guys in free agency, and that was part of the reason that they consummated the trade, despite they knew that the mm-hmm. the ceiling last season, even if you win the play-in tournament, like, okay, you're so what? You win a couple of games in the first round, or, I mean, you exceed expectations yeah. to an insane degree. You win a first-round Like, who cares? You're, you're not a championship team. You just gave up a first-round pick. But, yeah, you can't get those guys in free agency. Again, it's a different conversation for me mm-hmm. if Scotty Barnes, even if they are a 41-win team. Now, that being said, if you have a top 15 player playing the way that Scotty Barnes is, and we'll talk to Blake Murphy after mm-hmm. 8.30. I don't know how sustainable the three-point shooting is, which has been a huge part of his, his offensive yeah. arsenal the last couple of games and in the, the first seven games to, to start this season. Five of ten last night. Yeah, he was outrageous. I mean, OG hit seven threes, the most he's ever hit in a basketball game. And it is the Spurs team that is has Victor Webanyama and is three and three, but this is a team that was pretty miserable this season, mm-hmm. although they, they came off a pretty big victory over a Phoenix Suns. So I don't know what to make of the early season results, but that aside, like the results almost don't matter because they do kind of matter. Like if you have a top 15 player, you yeah. should be well above 500 and in the playoff mix in the Eastern Conference. But this is it. The, the, you are talking about striking while the iron's hot with Scotty Barnes now. And whatever you have to do, whether it's giving up future pieces, whether it's giving up more draft pick capital to acquire players to complement him, which Jakob Pertl clearly does. It, it, everything's changed with the, this Raptors team. If you're getting this version of Scotty Barnes, which, man, we're, we're now talking about six consecutive games in which he's put up at least 20 points. And he's getting better, seemingly. Mm-hmm. He's always been a player that... In the clutch, his numbers have gone up, but you see him hit the game-tying three yesterday when he thought his team was down four and ends up <laughs> tying the game. And then having the the wherewithal, I mean, he almost took a, a travel at the end of regulation where he gets the rebound and with under a second left, calls the timeout yep. to set up the final shot of right. Like, it's all happening for Scotty Barnes, and that's the most important revelation of the season well and this is a really weird thing to say about a guy who and i don't put this on scotty barnes by any means i don't even put this on pascal siakam i just think it's the way it, it kind of works with with regarding those two players but you when you look at when you look at what barnes is able to do you can fill in the pieces kind of however you want to mm-hmm. because he can be a distributor. He can be your role man. He can be a post player. He can, if he, the shooting's sustainable, which I don't know how sustainable, but if it's sustainable, he can give you more spacing on the floor. So really, as long as the guys you put around him aren't exactly like Pascal Siakam, I think the fit kind of works. It's just, it is a very unfortunate thing for this Raptors team that the two best players you have right now, they just X each other out in, in so many ways. And, and it's not to say they can never coexist. Like mm-hmm. to your point, the Bucks game happened, but it just is so much less clean than it could be if they looked like any two other players, honestly. Yeah, it's the biggest question going forward is how they handle this Pascal Siakam situation, considering he's a pending free agent. He's going to want to get his. The, the Raptors are going to look to maximize the return in trade for a player that's having a horrible, horrible season mm-hmm. and, and looks like he doesn't 
quite understand his role in this offense. Also, the Darko Ryakovic, he gets the thing of of being the guy that's in the chair while this is happening and the guy that came in with the the developmental rep. Like he gets mm, that's great. He he gets the credit for what's happening to Scotty Barnes, whether or not he has an outsized impact on it. That's we get to now say, hey, look at the Darko effect. Because hey, Nick Nurse was also there. He was there for the rookie season, yeah. but he was also there for the the flatline season of a year ago, in steps Darko Ryakovic, and all of a sudden Scotty Barnes is having an All NBA type season. That's Darko gets credit for That's that. That's a great point. I honestly hadn't hadn't thought about that. You're right because, and I don't want to I don't want to say Coach Darko's not playing any part in this. I really like what he's been doing. His energy on the sideline, like it just seems super in, engaged. The players seem to really really like him, but. I don't care. I don't care how good of a coach you are. You got your hands on him, you know, a month and a half ago, but it's amazing the way it's going to work. I just, the, it is very funny and you know, all coaches are different. I'm sure we'll get used to it or whatever, but the, just the energy, the life, the kind of bounce, you know, Nick nurse was, and rightfully so, like he was surly at times, but Darko, like there was a moment late in OT and he is sprinting out to his team. The coach, he's grabbing the whiteboard. Like he, he is just as excited to coach as it feels Mm -hmm. like those guys are to play in those moments. And Hey, it's a rookie. Like we talk about this all the time with players. He's going to get jaded. It's going to become, you know, not ho-hum. I'm sure you're always thrilled to be in the NBA, but it's going to become kind of par for the course for him. But just seeing him so fresh and enjoying this all is honestly awesome to see as well. It's awesome to see Wemby. He's a- just screamed freak at my TV a lot. <laughs> oh, he's a freak. Look, oh, the freak. He's a cheat code. Yeah. But the Spurs aren't cheating enough with him. Like no. it just feels like, yeah, okay, he did the some amount, things okay. and I don't, in, the, in the first quarter, the four-point play and then playing the defense on OG and the point. Like that all, yeah, that you don't even have to try and that that happens for Wemby. End of the game, how do you not throw it into the seven-foot-five guy? Honestly, I, the amount of, so, and, you know, it ended up uh, working out well for the Raps, but it felt like early on in that game, Scotty Barnes wasn't getting a ton of, a ton of touches and they were going away from him a bit and it felt like the Spurs, and I've read this from people who cover the Spurs, is this, uh, the show point guard they have, he's a little, he's a little all over the place and he doesn't just do his job and pass the ball to Wemby sometimes and for a guy who, again, watching that game, wanting the Raptors to win, I'm sitting there going, give it to Wemby, come on, feed the freak, I just want to watch it. So, yeah, it's going to be remarkable. I hate to be uh, Doug Downer about this, but, you know, enjoy it while it lasts, people. There's just no way you're getting, I mean, nobody's LeBron, but you're not getting the, I I don't think, 15-year run of just, you know, 70-plus games a year and all of that. Enjoy it while it lasts because I just, I'd love to be wrong, but it just feels like there's no way that body's going to hold up to, what, 30 uh, 38 minutes for him yesterday, and and he looked full value for, totally. for, for what he was expected to be. And, of course, yeah, the almost 40 points um, in a win against the Suns in his previous game. All right, when we come back, Leafs with an identical start to a season ago, are they better or worse? Is there reason for more or less concern surrounding this Leafs team? We discuss next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.